Guys, I would like to thank you so much for listening on in on a Monday. This is your boy, Kevin. I'm at, at, at again with a new podcast, a new week. And you know what, guys? We're going to dive right into it. We got a couple of things coming up. One of the things that we're going to be looking at again is a new update from Iran. And one of those, um, the airline flight PS752 that... Uh, crash landed and some more information that has been gathered about that uh we have some more news on taiwan and their new uh government that's just been elected and uh there's some other things that we want to talk about like manila and of course i have a little bit of news Ooh, this might be my first podcast with the fourth piece of news with uh the democratic party within the united states and some new updates regarding that but um it's great that you guys are tuning in i hope you guys are enjoying my podcast i'm kevin and you're listening to a mention with kevin Okay, so let's get things started off with our first piece of news, and then we can go into some more fun stuff later in in the episode. So first things first, uh, officials from Transportation Safety Board of Canada say Iran is giving Canadian investigators access to the black box flight data records from the down Ukrainian international flight PS752. But Canada's role in the investigation beyond that remains unclear. The TSB will deploy a second team of investigators with expertise in aircraft recorder download and analysis once we confirm where and when this activity will take place, said TSB Kathy Fox today during the TSB first public update of its effort to participate in the crash probe. While Iran requests that Canada lead its expertise to the work of downloading and analyzing data from the flight records is a positive sign, Fox said, Canada remains in the dark about what else Canadian investigators might be allowed to see. In this investigation, and I want to be clear about this, we do not fully know what the scope of the role would be, she said. Fox said that when a plane crash is being investigated by another country, Canada usually is entitled only to visit the accident site, receive copies of information released by the country investigating the crash, and get a copy of the final investigation report. Given Canadian investigators' access to the flight data records is more than the international law requires, Fox said. Transport Minister Mark Garneau said Iran's decision to give Canada experts access to the recorders was very, very significant. Um, Yes, Iran admitted to shooting down the airplane, but we want to know exactly what happened on the airplane in the last seconds. Um, Oh, by the way, guys, if I didn't already mention... uh, this is episode 9. Uh, it is January 13th, 2020. Um, some more news broke out in the weekend in terms of Iran admitting that the ballistic missiles that they launched on some U.S. bases um, or where some U.S. troops were stationed actually caused the plane crash that um, was carrying some Canadians. It was a Ukraine uh, airplane um, and plane service commercial airline but uh many canadians canadian iranians were uh 
murdered essentially or killed in this accident and so iran iran finally came forth and uh, admitted to this um so uh just in regards to that uh we know that after the strike occurred the plane went into a turning pattern we don't know exactly what was going on on board Canada is also being given access to the acts of the crash site, which will be allowed to examine the wreckage, which has since been moved to another location. The investigation is being overseen by Iran's Aircraft Accident Investigation Bureau, said Fox, which means that all decisions regarding the access to the investigation must be approved by Iran. In this case, especially because 57 of the passengers of the aircraft were Canadian, it is our hope that TSB be allowed to bring more of its expertise to a thorough and transparent investigation said fox while canada does have expertise in analyzing flat flight and data records fox said it doesn't have experts trained to investigate cases involving planes shot down by missiles uh, she said she is hoping dutch officials who do have expertise in that area will be invited to consult officials from the netherlands participated in a multi-country investigation that i included investigators from Australia, Belgium, and Malaysia after a Russian missile took down Malaysia airline flight MH17, killing 298 people in July of 2014. The plane was flying from Amsterdam to Malaysia, capital of Kuala Lumpur, when it was shot down near the village of Harabov in the Donetsk region of Ukraine. Sorry for my pronunciation. More than 190 of those were killed were Dutch. Um, so just regarding this whole incident, it, it there is some light that has been shed on the incident, uh, which I think is good when truth and fact is finally displayed. I think people can finally have peace and rest. Uh, there was a lot of families and mourning that was going on in Canada and the, over the weekend um, that were happening in Toronto. And I believe the prime minister is going to see some more in Edmonton today. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I do find it easier for the families to reconcile and, uh, find peace knowing what actually happened to, uh, their loved ones. But on the other hand, it is, uh, some major questions are raised for Israel. Why were, uh, the ballistic missiles being shot so close to commercial planes, um, was it planned? Like, how can we see this? Um, could they give us more records or anything to prove that this was an aggravated? Um, and it just goes on like this. I think it was the right step. I think it took Iran much too long to actually produce the truth. But I'm glad that this happened and that people are able to kind of see what what, what went down. Um, it's very disturbing that, um, I don't know, that, that this all took place. But... Um, I, hopefully this is we were kind of seeing this as kind of an escalation as uh, more the US and Canada have a very close relationship with one another and the US um, we were hoping that they wouldn't get so involved and they were kind of sticking their nose saying that it was Iran's fault and so Iran coming over with that was kind of a uh, with that statement and <clears throat> those facts saying that they indeed did that act um, I hope it's in in response of not trying to provoke any war or aggression to Canada or America for that matter. Um, seeing America kind of stick its nose into another nation's business. Um, this is between the Ukrainians, the Canadians, and the Iranis. Um, though it, will, it did affect the U.S., 
um, this airline didn't have any Americans on it. So I, I, I believe that they, they shouldn't have been a part of that. And they're, they're kind of aggravating one another. Um, so again, it, it's looking like things are coming down a little bit. And this is kind of a good sign. Uh, Canada is trying to be as, as peaceful and as diplomatic about this as possible. And maybe it'll allow our nation to come to the table with this. Justin Trudeau might be able to speak with these um, delegates from Iran. And maybe some talks may happen in terms of how to uh, slow angers and um, how, how to kind of revive peace within the Western, uh, within our Western North American nations with America and Canada and uh, the Middle East of Iran. Um, but let's move on to some uh, new news. So um, we've, we've talked a lot about Iran. We'll keep keep it in our, um, our focus, and I'll check up on it if there's any other major updates. But our second piece of news was this Saturday um, on the weekend, which would have been the 11th, uh, there was an election victory for Taiwan's president, Tsai Ing Wang, uh, which was huge, but the defeat for Beijing was bigger, a stark lesson for the dictatorship next door. No matter how powerful or prosperous, holds little appeal for the only part of a greater China that gets a real vote on its own democratic future. So this quote says, when our sovereignty and democracy are threatened, the Taiwanese people will shout our determination even more loudly back to say said in her acceptance speech. Beijing's impulse to intimidate all challengers clearly backfired during the campaign, and yet it continues. Hours after Tsai's win, Chinese state news agency Xinhao accused her party, the DPP, of using dirty tactics such as cheating. It went on to label her as selfish, greedy, and evil. Throughout the campaign, China has accused was accused of its own campaign of misinformation and dirty tricks to support of Tsai's opponents. More than 8 million voters cast ballots for Tsai, 57% of the vote, setting a new record for her margin of victory. Tsai's main challenger, Kwam Ming Tang, KMT, leader Han Kuao, uh, finished more than 2.5 million votes back. His party advocates closer ties with China, primarily for Taiwan's economic benefit. For youth in particular, Tsai cemented her image as a progressive defender of freedom, reinforced by government her government's backing of the LGBTQ rights last year. A careful campaign to cultivate uh, that connection included images of Tsai as an energetic anime character with her own game, brought out a surge of first-time voters like Cindy Pai. We are not afraid of China, said Pai, as Tsai's victory rally. Our president will protect us. Uh, so it is pretty funny to see, uh, I don't know, uh, that people are making her into kind of a meme. Like, this is kind of how our generation deals with things. Making her into an anime character, to Tsai. Um, though it is good to mention, uh, I believe it was in 2019 this year, uh, the past year, sorry. Um, I don't know the exact time. I believe it might have been around April that Taiwan actually legalized gay marriage. Um, so if her party is kind of going towards that, um, supporting that, uh, it's interesting to see that, that kind of momentum helping her secure this victory, um, within Taiwan. Taiwan has, uh, always had an issue with China trying to meddle in its government. Um, and so I'm assuming that 
some of the uh, the Chinese government have uh, controlled other members of other parties and um, not wanting to decide to win. So it's it's interesting news that the Taiwanese po- people have spoken. Uh, I could see, especially since what has been happening in Hong Kong, that um, a lot of um, of a fear has arisen for these people, and they they want their own independence. Um, so it says, still in many ways, Tsai owes her success to missteps by the Chinese leadership. Seven months ago, as Hong Kong was waking up to Beijing's effort to insert control and limit dem- democratic rights, it looked as if Tsai was headed to a defeat. Polls put her some 15 points behind her rival Han. Then voters started to notice the connection with Hong Kong. We saw the aggression of China, said Gary Yen. We saw what happened in Hong Kong, and we, the people in Taiwan, are concerned if Taiwan is going to be next. Yen is a Canadian, born in Taiwan, who flew in from Toronto because he felt it was important to support democracy here. One of many who said that they made the journey back because they felt Taiwan was facing an existential crisis. Relations with China dominated many discussions during the campaign, even on the streets at a market uh, tech hub of Hishinchu, sorry, my pronunciation, spouse of Taipei, a woman selling pickled eggs said she worried more about the economy than China's threat to Taiwan. Whoa. That immediately set set off her neighbor, arguing loudly that he was Taiwanese, not Chinese, and it was important to stand up to bullying from China. Indeed, pressure from Beijing has only increased since Tsai's came to power. China has long considered Taiwan a wayward province to be reunited with the mainland. Eventually, in a tough speech a year ago, Chinese President Xi Jinping said he will not uh, promise to renounce the use of force to achieve that. China has also imposed new economic restrictions like limiting tourism from the mainland. And it has convinced more countries in the Pacific region, Central America, and Africa to switch diplomatic ties from Taipei to Beijing. Only 15 countries now formally recognize Taiwan under one country, two systems principle. Xi has offered Taiwan a similar status as Hong Kong in China, limited autonomy that would, in theory, allow the island to keep some of its democratic rights. Tsai has rejected that, as well as many other in the movement. That would, that would, um, as well as any other move that would give Beijing direct power over Taiwan. But she's also been very careful not to antagonize Beijing by declaring formal independence. With her current victory, and with so many seeing her as a protector of the island, political observers say that that may change in a second term. Um, so it's just interesting to see the uh, advancement that has been going on in that regard. Um, I don't know. I see this as kind of more of a a progressive stance. She's not. Obviously, we can see that Taiwan and Hong Kong both want independence. Hong Kong has has been screaming for it, and maybe Taipei has learned from this. Um, maybe their new president has seen that this doesn't work, and that maybe uh, the progressive change to become independent might need to be slower. That uh, the people don't want that form of lifestyle, and maybe they might have close ties to China, but not necessarily in their governance. Um, so we'll see how this goes. Um, I'm hoping for a good future for Taiwan. Uh, I have, um, a few friends that are from there and it's just interesting to see where, uh, the future holds for their relationship with China. And if they're going to be kind of overlooked because of what's going on in Hong Kong right now, uh, Xi Jinping, a lot of people have considered him a dictator now that, um, he has removed a term limit from his presidency, um, so, again, it's interesting 
where China and how China will act next within the next few years. All right. Now to our third piece of news, and we are going to stay kind of within that region. Schools and businesses shut across the Philippines capital uh, today as a volcano belched clouds of ash across the city. And seismologists warn an eruption could happen at any time, potentially triggering a tsunami. Thousands of people were forced out of their homes around Tao, one of the world's smallest active volcanoes, which spewed ash for a second day from its crater in the middle of the lake about 70 kilometers south of central Manila, the capital of the Philippines. The speed of escalation of Tal's volcanic activity caught us by surprise. Maria Antonia Bornas, chief science research specialist at the Philippine Institute of Volcanology and Seismology, told reporters, We have detected magma. It's still deep. It hasn't reached the surface. We still can expect a hazardous er eruption, though, at any time. Authorities warn an eruption could send a tsunami surging across the lake. More than 24,000 people have been evacuated from the volcanic island and the area immediately around it. Normally, a popular tourist spot. We got scared of what could happen to us. We thought the volcano might suddenly erupt already, said Marilu Baldonado, 53, who left the town of Laurel, with only two sets of clothes after she saw huge ash clouds build. Some tourists ignored the dangers and traveled to towns close to the volcano to get a better look. It's only a once-in-a-lifetime experience for us, Israeli tourist Benny Borenstein told, uh, told reporters as he snapped photos of Tao from a vantage point in Tagate City, about 32 kilometers away. To the southwest of the volcano, towns of Agosillo and Lameri were coated with a thick layer of ash, making roads impassable. Agoncilli's mayor, Daniel Reyes, told, uh, Re told the radio that some homes and part of the building had collapsed under the weight of the fallen ash. In nearby Talise Batangas, Vice Governor Mark Lavista said rain had turned to ash to mud and trucks were needed to be evacuated more people from remote areas. There is no power. Even water was cut. So we need, uh, we are in need of potable water, he said. We are in need of face masks. In Manila, masks have sold out quickly after residents were advised to wear them if they have to go out. Some wore handkerchiefs across their face as they breathed air tainted by the smell of sulfur. Streets would normally be snarled with some of the world's worst traffic were largely empty in the city of 13 million people. Schools and government offices were closed to special official orders. The stock exchange was suspended trading and many private businesses shut for the day too. Uh, classes in the city uh, of the capital will remain suspended and, uh, uh, on tomorrow for Tuesday. And flight operations at Manila's International Airport are, uh, have partially resumed. Uh, authorities said after more than 500 flights were delayed or canceled this weekend. Um, so yeah, this has caused quite a, um, quite a mess in the Philippines. The Philippines lies on the ring of fire. Um, so it is prone to earthquakes, but, um, and I have a friend who, um, a very close friend of mine who actually has a cottage or I guess it's his, um, it's kind of his home when he goes back to Manila, um, around this area. And this is where he kind of like you know, he hangs out for vacation and he's told me very good things about it. 
but it's just crazy to hear uh, what has gone on. And um, I heard that it was active, but it's always been said that it's been pretty dormant. So this is crazy uh, for an area that is populated by so many people, by 13 million people, uh, just to see this, uh, I don't know, this update to what we thought was a dormant volcano. Now, uh, it, it appears uh, a lot of these people have to displace their lives um and to go where because essentially this is on an island as well so the island itself of uh where manila stands can be affected completely by this volcano um so it's interesting to see how the government is going to uh work with this are they gonna be providing uh different shelters and different islands um that are at a fair uh safe distance from the volcano um is there anything else that they can do? Are they going to keep people on the island? Um, it's just interesting to see how this is going to take place and how um, how people are dealing with it, essentially. Um, it, it is a significant uh, area in the world in terms of population, and uh, so we're just going to keep an eye open on that. And hopefully uh, nothing urgent comes of this. Maybe it might. Um, we, we might get a better... Uh, sense of things uh, throughout this week. But uh, again, we'll keep our eyes open and focused on this story. Our next story um, that we're going to finish off with is just a little update with the Democratic Party in the United States. And that is Democratic Cory Booker has officially dropped out of the presidential race today, ending a campaign whose message of unity and love failed to resonate in a political era marked by chaos and anxiety. Actually, if I could just shout out... Um, Cory Booker was on Explained at one point, and I think he did um, kind of an episode on like um, it was on ra race, the racial wealth gap, and uh, he was very well spoken, um, and he has some great experience to deliver on, um, very insightful perspective. I think he's an amazing man um, with some great ideals. It's just sad that a lot of people he's not the most popular candidate, and it's sad that he he couldn't continue. I think he would have done great as a president or as another, I don't know, a high-ranking official, as a vice president and anything. I think he would have done an amazing job. Anyway, his departure now leaves a field that was once the most diverse in history with just one remaining African-American candidate, former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick, who has seemingly gained little traction since a late entry into the race. Since launching his campaign last February, Booker, a U.S. senator from New Jersey, struggled to raise the type of money required to support a White House bid. He was at the back of the pack in most surveys and failed to meet the polling requirements needed to participate in tomorrow's debate. Booker has also missed last month's debate and exits the poll, uh, the racing poll in the low single digits in his early primary states and nationwide. In an email to supporters, Booker has said, that he, uh, that he got into this race to win, and his failure to make the debates prevented him from raising the money required for victory. Our campaign has reached the point where we, we ha need more money to scale up and continue building a campaign that we can win. Money we don't have, and money that is harder to raise because I, don't, uh, I won't be on the next debate stage and because the urgent business of impeachment will be rightly uh, keeping me in Washington, he said. Booker had warned that the looming impeachment of, uh, of the trial of President Donald Trump would deal a big blow to his campaign by pulling him away from Iowa in the last few weeks before February. Three Iowa caucuses. 
He hinted at the challenges facing his campaign last week in an interview with the Associated Press's Ground Game podcast. If we can't raise more money in the final stretch, we won't be able to do things that other campaigns with more money can do to show presence, he said. In his email to supporters, Booker pledged to do everything in my power to elect the eventual Democratic nominee for president, though his campaign says he has no immediate plans to endorse a candidate in the primaries. It's a humbling finish for somebody who will once lauded by Oprah Winfrey as the rock star mayor who helped lead the renewal of New York, New York, New Jersey during his seven years in City Hall. Booker was known for his headline-grabbing feats of local do-goodery, including running to a Bernie building to save a woman and his early fluency with social media, which brought him 1.44 followers on Twitter when the platform was little used in politics. His rhetoric skills and Ivy League background often brought comparisons to Barack Obama, and he's still been discussed as a potential presidential contender since his arrival in the Senate in 2013. Um... So it, it's just kind of sad to see this. I think Cory Booker was a, a great candidate, and I kind of feel sorry that he's not able to continue this race. Uh, Booker has long been seen as a progressive Democratic in the Senate, pushing for criminal justice reform and marijuana legalization. On the campaign trail, he proposed establishing a $1,000 U.S. savings account for every child born in the U.S. to help close the racial wealth gap. Booker was among the first candidates to release a gun control plan at the time when it was the most ambitious in the field, as it included a gun licensing program that would have been seen as political suicide just a decade before. He also released an early criminal justice reform plan that focused heavily on addressing sentencing disparities for drug crimes. Um, so if you don't know Cory Booker, um, I think it would be a great time to kind of, you know, uh, have a look at his history, his political history. Have a look at what he's done so far. Um, but um, it's just kind of, again, it's, it's it's sad to see somebody so influential, so um, so passionate to do the right thing in their government and passionate with their ideals um, be taken of that because of financial resources, also because he's kind of being strained by this impeachment. Uh but I wish Cory Booker all the best in his futures and whatever he decides to do next. Um, he is the third candidate to depart the race so far in 2020, following former Obama Housing Secretary Julian Castro and self-help author Marion Wilson. Six contenders have qualified for, t- uh, for tomorrow's night's debate in Des Moines, Iowa. Joe Biden, Pete but Tweeged, I, I don't know his name, um, Amy Klobuchar, my boy Bernie Sanders, Tom Steyer, and Elizabeth Warren. Um, I also believe, uh, yeah, oh, in 2020, so far in 2020, as um, there was also the, the leave and absence of uh, Camille, Camilla Harris from um, the race as well. So that is all our news for today. Uh, We get to go into the fun stuff now, guys, where I can kind of just talk to you as freely as possible and mention with Kevin where Kevin gets to be free indeed. So uh, I'm just going to give you guys a quick recommendation on um, something uh, that has really kind of resonated with me, I would say in the past year, past couple of months and this year, and that is in regards to minimalism. Um, now, if you don't already know, minimalism is kind of the thought process of having less stuff, 
be more mindful of the stuff we bought. Um, and doing this, it actually kind of motivates and it's, it's very helpful for, um, people who, uh, for people who kind of are kind of bought into that consumeristic lifestyle where they need to kind of prove their worth through what they buy and what they earn. Um, it also is very environmentally friendly, um, in this regard with all that is going on with climate change kind of taking up a minimalist lifestyle. So the minimalism has really taken off and skyrocketed in YouTube, podcasts, and uh, popular media in general. But um, if I could recommend to you guys a couple of YouTube channels that I watch um, and I find and I draw inspiration from a lot of, um, there are just three great, uh, well, I'm going to give you four technically, but um, I'm going to kind of go into what were the best minimalism um, guides <clears throat> and um, YouTube channels that just kind of uh, display the lifestyle uh, of somebody who who does that on, as an add-on into their life. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk to you guys about is obviously there's um, a documentary on Netflix called The Minimalists, and The Minimalists have their own YouTube channel where they talk about different things. I believe there's um, two gentlemen, one Nicodemus, and the other one is uh, ooh. Uh, <laughs> I have to remember uh, his name. There's Ryan Nicodemus. He's one of them. And then there's another guy, uh, the minimalists. Let me just uh, check that up for you guys. Oh, Joshua Fields and Ryan Nicodemus. Uh, so both of those guys do podcasts. They have a YouTube channel now, I think, and they're doing more and more videos that are kind of encouraging that lifestyle. So if you're really into it, I would really suggest uh, checking out a lot of their vlogs, their home tours, um, how they deal with the lifestyle, but also go onto Netflix and check out their documentary. It is excellent. I highly recommend it. It is a great, uh, fresh new, uh, you know, uh, fresh new experience, fresh new perspective on things. Um, so I would really check it out. Um, now the next one that I would like to recommend channel is called Matt Diavella. Matt Diavella is, uh, actually, the filmmaker, uh, the director of The Minimalist, but he makes videos and he's a filmographer and he's a little bit more creative with his um, minimalism and how it affects his lifestyle. He kind of uh, has different things in his life where he likes to challenge his life with different habits. Um, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. One of those habits being minimalism, which has really changed his life. Uh, but he's a very inspiring filmmaker, and he makes his videos so captivating. I would, uh, if if you're ever going to see The Minimalists or Matt Diavella, I would highly recommend Matt Diavella. Um, he has videos that you can kind of, kind of, they're not as long, and they're short, and they're clear cut with uh, clear intentions in the titles, and they're just honest. Um, and he has a really honest way of filmmaking. So really check him out. And my third... Um, recommendation is going to be a smaller um, kind of channel. So there's two smaller channels. Um, the first one is for you Canadians out there, A, um, and that's a guy called Just Jolie. Just Jolie, um, I believe he lives in Edmonton, um, which is really interesting for Canadians or people who live in a colder climate, and he practices minimalism. Uh, but not only that, he practices healthy living as he he went to school to be a physiotherapist um um or kinesiology i'm sorry um i don't know if he's completed his study to be a physiotherapist uh, but he also challenges himself with uh what he does in his day-to-day -day life he also has an interesting 
uh, way of filmmaking. He's more of the vlogger kind of uh, film filmographer or uh, director, sorry. Uh, but he does other things on it. He really likes to uh, show you what like his personal training advice is. He has a dog, how to be a minimalist with a dog. Um, and he really practices like small it's called micro living almost where he lives in a very small apartment. So it's very interesting how he practices all the things and how he has few clothes in Canada. I still can't comprehend, but it's so inspirational and I love watching just Jolie check him out. And the last one I'm going to say is, um, she's kind of on the opposite end, but she's also a simple, um, they're, they're both minimalists, right? But she's on the opposite end of small creators in terms of like, she makes, uh, more aesthetically pleasing. while just Jolie is a little bit more, gung-ho uh vlogging kind of like really cool kind of trendy um simply by christine is another small channel that focuses on minimalism but it's more aesthetically pleasing and it's another one that she really looks at the art of filmmaking while she's trying to make a video she she does a lot of storytelling with that uh she also has a little doggy uh which is great uh so that's a, a commonality with this too but she goes a little bit into more depths of how her philosophy, um, where she's she talks about being a Christian um, and being a wife, um, ha- having uh, a desire to help the environment and get um, active with environmental change and being mindful in that regards. And uh, just the way that she films everything. Um, it's very interesting, and I, I enjoy this channel a lot. So that's another channel to check out. Again, it's called Simply by Christine. All right, guys, we are at the end of our episode, so let's wrap it up with another piece of advice. All right, so our advice he writes in today. Um, the topic of our advice is, I scratch my sister's car, send help, period. Um, so thank you, viewer, for sending in your advice. Uh, we are going to analyze it and give you a quick piece of advice to end our show. So this viewer writes, So I'm borrowing my sister's car for a month, and I have some noticeable scratches on there. I can't afford to take it to a body shop, and I most definitely can't give her car back like this. I thought about trying one of those turtle wax scratch and swirl solutions, but IDK, I don't know. Has anyone used those and worked? Should I try something else? Please help. All right. Well, it looks like you are in a bit of a pickle, Mr. or Mrs. Viewer, um, or Miss Viewer, or whatever you like to be called. Anyway, uh, you scratch your sister's car. This reminds me of a time that I scratched my dad's car by accident. Um, I was boxed in. I don't know how I got boxed in, but I was boxed in at the top of the driveway, and there was three cars and I had to kind of like go oh because his car was right in behind mine and I had to kind of like squeeze but like there was just enough space anyway I did like the best job I could to get out of there and I thought that I didn't scratch it anyway when I got back my parents were furious at me because I left like I would say like a half an inch uh, mark on my dad's car which I actually just rubbed away because it was my car that, <laughs> that like lost the paint his car was fine and, um, yeah, I got a huge chewing out for that, and I was grounded and wasn't allowed to use a car. My sister, on the other hand, crashed and well, then I wouldn't say crashed, was scraped up 
the car that I had, it, it was technically all our car, like all the kids' car in the family. We were to use it for work and different purposes. Uh, took it out and scratched the whole bumper or it was completely noticeable where it, like actually like it took scraped off the paint and she was not grounded for any time at all. You know what, guys? It just depends on, um, I don't know, if they notice it or not, um, how precious their car is. Um, your sister, you borrowed it for a month. There are some noticeable scratches on there. My first question is, how did you get those scratches? Like, were you in an accident? Did you do what my sister did and uh, scrape into a light post? Uh, I know you probably can't afford to take it to a body shop. Um, but there's some different ways that you can kind of handle this. Uh, the serious way is to kind of, uh, like I said, you could clean up your car. Sometimes those marks are just dirt marks that kind of fly up when you're driving on the highway or something like that. So you could go and clean off your car and get some of that turtle wax and make it look all new. Or you could do uh, option number two, which, which is also very practical. Uh, there's a movie franchise called The Fast and the Furious. Now, The Fast and Furious, the premise is about, nah, the beginning was about street racing a little bit and then went into kind of like high-tech burglary while driving street car stuff. All right, anyway. Um, and what part of the movie in the first movie, and I highly suggest you watch the first Fast and Furious, they race for pink slips. Um, if you don't know what that is, pink racing for pinks means you're racing for the other person's car. So my suggestion would be take your sister's car to an illegal, I, I mean um, an underground street race, race somebody, win their car, and then with their car, you could probably sell the two cars that you have in your possession, your sister's car and her car, and get a better car for your sister, or the same car for your sister, but a newer one. And then when you give it back to her, she wouldn't be the wiser. Um, but my first uh, answer, yeah, again, you probably could find some friends who have the tools, um, somebody who kind of works as a mechanic or as uh, in a car garage, somebody who's really into cars. Uh, you can get some paint and you could buff it out as well and then get that paint and do a really good paint job on it. Um, but yeah, I, I would kind of, I would lean towards more of watching Fast and Furious and then trying that stuff out. But uh, let me know how that works. Guys, uh, this has been a fun Monday start to the week. Uh, I want to thank you guys again so much for starting your week off with me, Kevin, with just a mention with Kevin. I hope you guys have an excellent week and I will see you again on the next episode. Don't forget to brush your teeth and floss. Bye.